Welcome to the Mornings with Sue and Andy podcast for Monday, June 5th. As we wait for some more details on the new event centre deal for the City of Calgary, not all are convinced that the current plan is in the best interest of city taxpayers. We hear the thoughts of former Ward 11 councillor Jeremy Farkas. According to the Better Business Bureau, job scams are up 250% compared to the same time last year. So if you're on the hunt for a new job, what can you do to safeguard yourself from scammers? We get some tips from Mary O'Sullivan Anderson, President and CEO of the BBB in Southern Alberta. Calgary Youth will have a free opportunity to try more than 60 sports across the city for the first time at Sport Calgary's All Sport One Day later this month. We get details on the event from Olympic gold medalist and president and CEO of Sport Calgary, Katrina LeMay Doan. I'm a big Jeremy Farkas fan. He does know what he's sharing because he commented on it, right? So what you do is you take a look at uh, these articles, and the article that he was attached to was talking about the new event center deal and that perhaps we don't have the best deal ahead of us. I'm going to bring him in with it. Good morning to you, Jeremy. Hey, good morning. How goes it? Good. Thank you very much for letting us uh, wake you up. Or I know you're a runner. Maybe you're out for a run. But um, I was reading that last night uh, you shared something on your Jeremy Pathfinder Farkas Facebook page. It's the Calgary Herald article. And the article reads, Zero revenue, more event center details expected Monday. As criticism of deal grows, you put your two cents at the beginning, saying that taxpayers will put in 97% of the upfront arena costs in exchange for zero revenue. You go on to say zero caps, period. Gondek and Smith have, haven't just sold uh, out to taxpayers for cheap. They've sold us out for nothing. So your thoughts, Jeremy, when you read the Herald article and what you may or may not know that we don't know. Well, and that's exactly right. And, and look, nobody is saying that we shouldn't have a new event center. I think we need a new arena, but, you know, it can't be a deal at any cost. And given that with the old deal uh, that uh, our council and Head Menchie had agreed to, Basically, we were more or less equal partners. Taxpayers and the Flames were sharing the cost equally, and taxpayers were going to get most of our money back through things like a community uh, sports fee, uh, ticket tax, things like that. Whereas to basically just sell out so entirely to have the Flames putting in 97% of the upfront cost in order to get uh, all of the revenue, I just find that to be absolutely insane. And that's not to mention things like uh, naming rights, for example. So, Jeremy, what do you think happened? Do you think, you know, the original deal, there were some add-ons there that the organization didn't care for, and it was an easy way to say, no, we're pulling out altogether to try and put together another deal, and then everybody got scared that maybe the Flames would leave. Do you think that's what happened? Well, I think if if we want to be partners on this, we need to be partners in the upside and not just uh, the downside. And there's other factors to this, including, say, the city having to self-insure this in the event of a flood and Basically, that means if another flood comes in, like in 2013, that either damages or destroys the building, the city taxpayers will be on the hook for 100% of the replacement cost. So I think that's unreasonable. And uh, it's good that you mentioned the other stuff uh, surrounding the arena. So we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars for the arena itself, but we're talking about potentially billions of dollars in terms of the land deals and other benefits that uh, CSEC will enjoy. So I think there needs to be a lot of transparency, not just on the building itself, but also the, the sweetheart land deals uh, that are right now just being done behind closed doors. Do you think, you know, Glenn, for example, we got some great texts this morning, Jeremy, we, we threw it out there saying, what are your thoughts? Because, you know, it seems like the uh, shell and or cup and ball game where you're trying to keep <laughs> your eye on the ball and figure out where we're going with this deal. 
Glenn says, don't kid yourself with language like event center. This is a hockey rink for the Flames, and taxes should never be used to subsidize private business. Do you think that there has been some wordsmithing? I know we, I know what if you travel around, you see different event centers throughout North America, and you think, we need some like this. But at the core, Glenn says, this is a hockey rink. Your thoughts? Well, absolutely it's a hockey rink, but it has to be other things, too, if we're going to be putting in uh, city money. One of the uh, pitches for this new uh, event center rink, what have you, is the idea of this community rink. But unfortunately, it's basically just a a Flames practice facility. 75% plus of the time it's going to be used uh, for practice. And then if you're a member of the public and you're wanting to actually go and use it, uh, you're probably going to have to pay a charge. So it's a bit uh, misleading to describe it as a as a community uh, rink. And then uh, just otherwise, like we, we do have an obligation as the owners of the Saddle Dome to uh, maintain it, to fix the roof and whatnot. So we're already in for probably $100 million or more. So the question is, uh, should we put more bad or more good money after bad in the Saddle Dome? Personally, I don't think so. So that's why I personally lean to just thinking that we should have a deal done. We should be equal partners in the upside and the downside. But just in terms of the politics, I think uh, both Mayor Gondek and Premier Smith, they were just so desperate for a deal. They were desperate for a win, and they needed something to show Calgarians that uh, they could get something done. So I think uh, when you're negotiating some- with somebody like uh, Murray Edwards, when- and when you have a timeline, well, of course, the, the Flames and the organization is going to run the table with you. And uh, I don't begrudge the Flames for getting the deal that they did, but... Basically, council walked away from a what I thought was a bad deal, but overall generally fair, and we got an even worse one. And uh, it, it was really surprising to me, just on a personal level. And obviously, I, I ran against uh, Mayor Gondek in the previous election, but she had campaigned on this idea of uh, standing up to the UCP, to advocating for us, and it was just really disappointing to see her up beside Premier Smith at what well, was essentially a UCP uh, campaign event. But I don't want to knock this council. I don't want to knock this mayor. My message this morning is really, I think that we need to support our mayor. We need to support our city council so that they feel like they have the backing to be able to try to get us a better deal and at least some revenue out of this uh, deal. Really appreciate your perspective this morning. Thanks so much for joining us, Jeremy. Right. Thanks so much. Thank you. And uh, thanks for all you've been doing for the Boys and Girls Club as just an aside as well. But that was former Ward 11 city councillor Jeremy Farkas. And if you're looking for a new job, make sure you do your due diligence because according to the Better Business Bureau, job scams are up 250% compared to the same time last year. Joining us to talk about the issue and what we can watch out for is Mary O'Sullivan Anderson, President and CEO of BBB, serving Southern Alberta and East Kootenai. Hi, Mary. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning. Thanks for having me this morning. Wow. Uh, scams are up 250% in terms of job scams. That's just insanity. Why target people who are searching for work? Yeah, isn't it really sad? Like when you look at those numbers being up and realize that on each end of those numbers, it's a person looking probably to put food on their table. And so it's something that definitely has our attention and it's quite concerning and should be concerning for everybody. The stat, Mary, that we gave a 250% increase in these scams in the first three months of 2023. Why the timing? Why do you think this is happening now? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. We've been following employment scams for a while. And I think post-pandemic, um, a lot of people are have reevaluated their availability, whether they're returning to an office, working remote, that sort of thing. And so we're seeing more people looking for jobs. And so when opportunities come 
um, and they might seem too good to be true, what, maybe we're looking at it from a lens of what works for my personal situation before we're looking at it sort of critically to say, does this seem like a safe offer? There's a lot of variables really that come to play with this for sure. So Mary, what, what might we see if you know somebody's trying to scam us? What kind of methodology do they use? What should we be watching for? So there's a, there's a lot of different situations. One, it can seem very legitimate in the sense that perhaps you're applying for posted jobs um, and, and, you know, on popular sites, indeed, LinkedIn, some of the popular sites that you might be looking at um, to, to find employment. And unfortunately, scammers also use these sites. So one, you might be looking to apply for work. Um, the second is if suddenly you're reached out to perhaps by a recruiter, a headhunter, um, and they sort of know all the right things to say to entice you. Um, and so there's, there's a couple of different situations there for sure. Stats do point to a particular age group, individuals between the ages of 18 and 34. They're particularly vulnerable, apparently, to job scams. What are the tactics aimed at this age group, and why do you think that this is the age group being targeted the most? Yeah, the largest group is 25 to 34, and then 35 to 44. It is interesting, though, that when you get over 50, over 55, the actual median losses are higher in that group. And so, um, you know, that group are more susceptible to being out money on top of it. So the scams work really in two ways. Either they're after your personal information or they're after your financial, um, uh, your money. And so either you're giving out personal information, which is the, the demographic that you first mentioned, um, they're sort of falling susceptible to that. And then the, the age group over 50 seem to be losing more money and associated with these, these scams. Mary, there's one particular scam. It's called the reshipping scam. Can you explain what it is and how it works? Yeah, absolutely. So the reshipping is really part of, um, you know, more sophisticated organized crime, if you will, in that they, you know, obtain your services and you're suddenly part of an illegal ring that you're reshipping product for them. Mm-hmm. So um, they're not able to purchase and ship products themselves. They really look for a middleman or a middle person as part of it. Uh, and so it starts off that maybe they're asking you to ship um you know, one piece of electronic and then they reimburse you and things seem safe. And then suddenly you're shipping a few more products and then the the payments aren't coming through and suddenly you're finding yourself in a pretty difficult situation. So um, definitely one that's concerning and one that we need to make sure that we have our, um, you know, we're doing our due diligence when you're looking for work or accepting any offers or you have a, a friend or a family member that suddenly started a job that might just seem too good to be true. So, so what do, do we do? I mean, you, you, if you're looking for a job, you're being as proactive as you can. You might get a response. Are there methods or safeguards in place that I can double check that this job offer is legitimate? What should I do? Yeah, so look for trusted sites. BBB.org is obviously always a good site to look at. We, we screen to make sure that businesses are legitimate, they're in good standing, they're licensed appropriately. All those good things that when you're looking for work, you want to make sure that you're working for somebody that you can trust. Um, of course, that's not the only way. Uh, do your own research. Talk to family and friends. Um, you know, much the same with many of our scams, romance scams, any of those, uh, communication is key. So make sure that we're, um, you know, taking a few extra steps to keep ourselves protected. And then anytime that somebody's asking for your personal information up front, including driver's license, social insurance, banking information, just be cautious when you're giving that out. Uh, if you get an employment contract, you know, send it off to a lawyer or somebody that can also review that contract for you to make sure that it's legitimate. 
the thin line, though, Mary, one of the job tips that the BBB puts forward is never pay for a job. In, yeah. Unfortunately, this this can be a cloudy one because maybe you have to have some training or maybe there's some uh, gear. So I guess that would be one of those uh, slippery slopes. Yeah, absolutely. There's even one where, uh, you know, you're in the re- or the interview process, I should say, and they sent you an email saying you need to upload your resume to, in order to get to the next step. And then you have to log on, give a credit card information. So it all seems very legitimate. And then before you know it, you've really given up personal information that you can't get back. Um, and then you find yourself in a pretty scary situation. At the end of the day, we want to make sure that people stay safe. There's some great resources at bbb.org, uh, also bbb.org scam studies. There's a specific one on employment scams if you want to look into it further. Um, and it, you know, it doesn't go without saying that there's some great trusted recruiters and companies at bbb.org that you can also look for that are likely hiring in your area. Great tips and reminders. Thank you so much for your time this morning, Mary. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Mary O'Sullivan Anderson, President and CEO of the Better Business Bureau, serving Southern Alberta and East Kootenai. Again, that website, pretty easy, bbb.org. Sport Calgary, in partnership with more than 50 community sports organizations and 12 multi-sport venues, will open the doors for families of young Calgarians to register at All Sport One Day, powered by Sport Calgary, to try their sport of choice on uh, June 6th, you'll have that chance to register. Coming up on June 17th, a big deal, but all details, we've got her here. Katrina LeMay-Don, President and CEO of Sport Calgary. Good morning to you, Katrina. Good morning. Let's talk about this because it sounds fantastic. As parents, we don't know what sport to put our kids in. You can't drive all around town. You can't sign <laughs> them up for everything. Is this like an appetizer? Yeah, it is an appetizer. Um, you know, we've been doing this event for goodness, probably 14 years, obviously during the pandemic and we worked with the different restrictions. So it was, um, you know, different formats, but finally we're back to, I would say normal. And so we have five to 6,000 kids in one day. And we've seen since the pandemic, a lot of kids have pulled out of sport. A lot of families can't afford sport. A lot of families don't even know what's out there. Mm-hmm. So what this is, is an opportunity for us to help the sports sort of introduce themselves to the community for families to see what's out there, for families to see different venues as well. Because sometimes a venue is very intimidating. And so if you are scheduled to go to a sport, a family walks in, one child might be registered, and all of a sudden you see options for another child or for even for a parent. And you understand what's actually out there. What we're trying to do is trying to connect people to activity. We know that... We're not in a great healthy situation mentally, socially, physically since the pandemic. And we want to help Calgarians become healthier. We want to help them actually become more active and then have that as a lifestyle change for the rest of their life. I love this because, well, first of all, it's free for everybody to try their sport, right? But you as an Olympic athlete, clearly, you know, sport was something that you, you must have grown up with in order to to get and reach the level that you reached personally. But to just keep giving it back year after year, obviously it's super important to you and, and making sure that kids have the opportunities, right? Yeah, I understand how important sport is 
uh, just to a healthy lifestyle. Mm -hmm. I still play the old lady hockey, old lady ringette. I am not good at either of them, but <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Who knew there was such a thing? Oh, there is. <laughs> um, but the thing is, is that, you know, we, we separate high performance sport and community sport, and we need both. And so my parents, I'm a first generation Canadian. They've never skated a day in their life. It, it's, you know, we grew up trying different things just like this. But the thing is, is that, you know, what we want is go and try something and then you never know what you're going to fall in love with. And what we know that we want the youth to dream about whether they want to go to an international competition, whether they want to get to the level of Olympics, Paralympics. But the thing is, is that, you know, we need the high performance sport to be able to inspire the right. youth. We just want people to be active. And in these free sessions, the coaches and the sports, they come and talk to you about how you can get more involved. We know fin finances are a barrier for so many people. So there are options of sports that aren't as expensive and ways to help subsidize that. But to, to, to Sue's point, and I want to dig deeper into this, uh, Katrina, which is, you know, Canadian. And I believe you're born in Saskatchewan. Yep. We, we've all had skates on at some point. But super niche when you come to speed skating. So do you remember the very first time you laced up speed skates and, and how that went for you? It didn't go that well. <laughs> but you know what? I was coming from ringette. So I actually played ringette beforehand. My a strong skater. Yeah, skates. ringette builds, and, and I'm sorry, skaters. I have a ringette player and a hockey player at mm -hmm. home, so I'm going <laughs> to, I'm just going to say it, ringette builds very good skaters. I would agree we, with you on that. <laughs> thank you. I can't take a slap shot for anything in life. Oh, no, but, not at all, yeah, but, but turn, turn on a dime and, you know, the zones and all that. So it was less of an adaptation, probably going from the hockey skates to the speed skates, but it was just a challenge. I mean, I'm a stubborn Saskatchewan Scottish girl, and so... <laughs> You know, my, my parents are like, what's speed skating? What? You're going to try this? What does that mean? It's like, oh, go outside in minus 40 in spandex. <laughs> oh, that sounds really, really great. Thanks. Well, you put it <laughs> but, like that. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, it's just something that's different. And it's something, you know, again, nature, nurture, I don't know. But there are different sports that just connect with youth. And often we don't even know what sports are out there. Have people tried cricket? Have people tried underwater hockey? Have you tried futsal? All these different sports that sometimes you actually have to look up what they are until a child sees them and then says, I want to try that. You never know the click that can happen. Allsportoneday.ca is the website. Yeah. What age group are we talking about for kids? We're talking six plus. But again, there are some family sessions. You know, we... We do an adult one in the winter, and so... Uh, is that know, the one where you and I played broomball together? It is. Yes. That's exactly <laughs> it. And, you know, since then, I, there's the drop-in broomball. And so it's an opportunity, again, just to try different yes. things, you know, and you just never know, and it's just... And it's also the social side. You know, and people often talk about how, well, the pandemic brought parents, you know, sort of isolated, but also, I mean, there are a lot of parents out there who are on their own with their kids mm -hmm. and who don't have that opportunity to socialize. Mm -hmm. And it's just an opportunity to sort of have your own environment and to be able to do something. So again, when you go out and your kids are trying something for free, it's an opportunity to parents see what their option might be as well to get involved. Building awesome. community, building passion when it comes to sport, whatever that sport may be. Falling in love with activity. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Keeping the kids off their devices. <laughs> uh, sportcalgary.ca slash all sport one day. Tomorrow, 1 o'clock, it opens? Yeah, and there will be, it's going to be busy. Uh, registration is always busy. But, you know, if something is full, you can always go on a wait list. And there are often, at the venues, there are often different um, openings that happen day of. And it, it's community day, so oh, bring yeah. the whole family. Get involved. 
involved in the community and get active. Such a great opportunity to find out, try and learn a new sport. Katrina LeMaydone, President, Chief Executive Officer for Sport Calgary, former Olympian, friend of the show. Thank you for coming in live in studio. Appreciate your time this morning. My pleasure. Great to see you guys.